When I saw the order of worship today, Ed usually sends it, emails it to us about Tuesday or Wednesday. And I noticed that every song was about worship. So I felt led of the Holy Spirit to preach a message on true worship. What is true worship? It may surprise you what true worship really is. You know, one thing that I heard years ago that I found to be true, that if you really want to understand the meaning of a biblical word, then go back to the first place where it was ever mentioned in the Bible. In other words, if if I want to know about love or something, then I'm going to go back and see what was the first time love was ever mentioned or, or goodness. Well, for example... Uh, if you really want to know Satan's strategy, you have to know the first time he was really mentioned in the Bible. And that is found in, uh, in Genesis uh, chapter um, 2, verse 16. I want you to notice. I want you to look at the truth. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. And then he said in the next verse, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... You shall not eat, and the day you eat it, you will die. Okay. Well, then, here, for the first time, we see the devil. We see him on the scene. And we drop down uh, to Genesis 3, 1 through 4. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said to you, you cannot eat of the tree of, uh, that you shall not eat of the, every tree of the garden. Satan planted a question in Eve's mind. Now, did God really tell you that you couldn't eat of every tree in the fruit of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of all the trees of the garden, except, uh, and the fruit of which is of the, uh, in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat and you shall not touch it lest you die. And that was the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Now, Let's look at Satan's first mention. Look what he says. In Genesis 3, uh, 17, he says, Genesis 3, 4. Now look what he said. You want to know how the devil operates? This is the first mention of how Satan operates. What's the first thing he ever did? He told a lie. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So you want to know the devil's strategy? Let's just go back to the first time we ever seen him. And the first thing ever came out of his mouth was a lie. And that's why Jesus in John 8, 44 said this. You are of your, look how Jesus described the devil now. You're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. And then he went on and said, he, when he speaks, he speaks a lie from his own resources. He's a liar and the father of it. You know, the first mention of the devil is the way he's going to attack you. He's going to make you doubt God. And then he's going to tell you a lie. Because that's his strategy. I know it because that's the first thing I ever saw him doing. Well... And then there's another incident uh, where 
we see the difference between works in salvation and the shedding of blood. Now, for the remission of sin. So we want to understand, where does that come from? So we go back to the first mention, and over in, um, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, look what it says. After Adam and Eve sinned, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Now, they, they became aware of their sin after they sinned, and they saw their nakedness, their sinfulness, and so you know what they did? They did what they could. Now, wait a minute. Listen to what I'm saying. They did what they could. They did a good work. They sowed to them a covering of fig leaves. But God said that's not going to do it. He says because the, the truth is that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And, and look here in verse 21. This is the first mention of how that there has to be the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. Way back in Genesis, and as also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made them tunics of skin and clothed them. An animal had to die. Blood had to be shed. You see, Adam tried by his good works. He made his own covering. But God said, that's not acceptable. The only way your sins can be paid for is by the shedding of blood. And we go over into the New Testament and we look at Hebrews 9.22. According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. But now get this now. Without the shedding of blood. The wages of sin is death. Somebody has to die for sin. And according to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. But without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. In Matthew 26, 28, look at what Jesus said. He talked about, this is my blood for the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, what I've done, I've given you two examples in the first book of the Bible of the law of first meaning. All right, how do we know how the devil operates? How do we really know? We go back to the first thing he ever did. He's a liar and the father of lies. Well, how do we understand salvation? Well, we understand that when Adam and Eve made fig leaves and covered themselves, that was their good works. That's what they offered God. And they could not be forgiven by their good works. So an animal had to be slain. Wait a minute now. And God, God had to clothe them. God had to put clothing on them. Just as we have to be robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ when we repent of our sin. So we see that there's significance in the first mention of something in the Bible. Now, you're going to find that the first mention of worship is really a very, a very significant thing and a very heart-rendering and challenging thing. And so I want us just to look at the first time the word worship is mentioned. Now, Jesus said how important true worship is. You know, if I told you God seeks someone to do something, you'd say, well, I know one thing. If God wants somebody to seek somebody to do it, I want to do it. All right, 
So Jesus talks to us a little bit about worship here. But I want to go back to the first mention in a moment. This is what Jesus said to the woman who was talking about where are we going to worship. He said, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Time out. I mean, Jesus said, the time is coming, not about the place you worship. No, it's not this mountain or that mountain. The time is coming when those who really worship God are going to worship in spirit and in truth. For that's what the Father seeks. He seeks for people. Amazing. He seeks for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. You say, Brother Fred, where's the first mention of the word worship? Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 12. Now, I want you to look at this. (laughs) It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am. I want you to pause. In a few moments, I'm going to show you that God tested Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And then God tested Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. And God tested Abraham again in chapter, Genesis chapter 17 and 18. I mean, how many times was God going to put Abraham to the test? But this was the final test. And it said, then he told him, he said, then he said, this is the test. Go back to that first verse. I, I want to. Uh, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. This was a test to know what was in his heart. Nation, I mean, I said, well, my heavens, you ought to know what is in his heart. Look at all the times he's obeyed you. But this was, I guess, the final test is all I know. All right, and it goes on. And, and it came to, to pass after these things. That God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here am I. All right, go on. Then he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall show you. Red flag. Moses knew, I mean, excuse me, Abraham knew that God wasn't in the business of offering up children as sacrifices. That was what for other gods. But yeah, God was telling him to go offer up your only son, the son of promise, as a sacrifice. Now, Abraham knew that if he did fulfill that, that God would raise him from the dead. You'll see that as we look in this chapter. But we go on into the next verse. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, took two of his young men and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God told him. I know he had a lot of questions. Exactly how's God going to do this? But he did exactly what God told him, and he went to the place. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw this mountain afar off. The place of sacrifice. He saw the mountain, uh, the, the place afar off. We go on to the next verse. 
And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. Now get this, this is where it is. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. First time it's ever mentioned in the Bible. He said, we're going up on that mountain and I'm going to obey God. He told me to offer up Isaac. I know if I do, he'll raise him up. But I'm still going to obey God. The first mention of worship is when God spoke to the heart of Abraham and said, you offer up your only son. That which is more important to you, the son of promise, the son of whom I said all the nations would be blessed, you go up there and you offer up. You know what God was calling from Abraham? He was calling for full surrender. I guess the last thing Abraham was holding on to was Isaac. But now God has called for Isaac. The last thing, the most important thing, the thing his future depended on, the thing our future depended on. He says, and he said, the lad and I will go up yonder and worship. First time it's ever used. And we will come back to you. And it goes on in the next verse. You've got to see the whole story. It's awesome. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. He laid it on Isaac, his son. Took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went up on the mountain to worship. They went up on the mountain to worship. Look at the next verse. It says that Isaac spoke to him. Listen to this. You, You see the reality of how you deal with things. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. He said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire, the wood. But Isaac said, Where's the lamb? For the offering. We don't have a sacrifice. Little did he know. That he was the sacrifice. Where is the sacrifice? And now look what Abraham said. My son God will provide for himself. The lamb for a burnt offering. He said. We're just going to trust God. I'm just walking in obedience. And we're going to trust God. And he will provide a burnt offering. So the two of them went up together. All right, look at the next verse. They came to the place which Abraham told him. Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood on the altar, bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Woo. It's close. It's close. And Abraham stretched out his hand. And took the knife to slay his son. But look what happened. Now, you know God was testing Abraham. And you remember Abraham had told the servants, we're going to go up there and worship, but we're going to come back. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on Isaac. Don't you lay your hand on him or do anything to him. For now, for now I know that you fear God 
since you have not withheld your son, your only son for me, Abraham, you passed the test. You love me more than you love Isaac. Isn't that amazing? He said, we're going to go up there and worship it. And it came right down to it. And then look at the next verse. And it says, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked behind him was a ram caught in a bush. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for the burnt offering instead of his son. You know, somebody said before there's ever need, God always had supply. Here was Abraham and Isaac going up this side of the mountain. Abraham going to offer up Isaac, and God had a ram coming up the other side of the mountain. And it just happened to get caught in the thicket. And so, we go, we, so he offered that sacrifice. Now, we get down to a verse um, that, that I really want you to see. And it's in verse, uh, it's in chapter 22, and th that, that's verse uh, 12. All right, I'm looking for uh, verse uh, 7. Well, no, let, let me see. All right, so I'll stop there at 12. All right, since you've not withheld your son, your only son. But, you know, um, I feel like we need to jump over to verse 18. I probably didn't put that down. Can you get a verse 18? If not, I can look it up. Because the angel speaks to Abraham a second time. Uh, I, I'm going to look it up. Genesis 22. Because you've got to get this. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is right. If not, I'll find it in a minute. But uh, it says here, in verse 15, I want you to listen to this now. God told him, I know you fear me. You passed the test, Abraham. Look at this. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Listen to what he promises him. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply. Your descendants as stars of the heaven and the sands on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. All right. I want to show you what worship is, true worship. And all that we did this morning was worship, but I want to show you the end result of worship. You know, worship, you know, every time you hear God's voice, and you obey him. Every time you hear God's voice, through the word, through his word, or however it speaks to you, and you test it by the word, whenever you hear God's voice and believe him and obey him, you just worship God. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. God speaks to you. You hear him from his word, whatever, and you obey him. You know what you did? Your obedience is an act of worship. No question about it. I want to show you one of the most interesting things. Genesis 12. I want you to look at this. Up until this time, Abraham had never been mentioned. In fact, God had just destroyed the world with a flood through Noah. And all of a sudden, we get to Genesis 12, and God's starting over. And look at what he said. And the Lord had said to Abraham, 
get out of your country, from your house, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Now, just wait a minute. It doesn't say anything else before that about God communicating with Abraham. It doesn't say anything. But all of a sudden, obviously, Abraham knew that, that it was God that was speaking to him. And he said, I want you to go to a land I'm going to show you. And, and then, he's, this is his first encounter with God. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. All right, and going to the next verse. I will bless those who bless you. Hey, by the way, you know, now Abraham is the father of the Israel, Israel of Israel. And when somebody blesses Israel, guess what God does? He blesses them. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And you look at the next verse. So the Lord departed, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old. Now, I want to show you about believing God and obeying his worship. God didn't tell Abraham where he was going. He said, just get up and start going. Sarah asked him, Abraham, where are we going? I do not know. Why are we going? Well, God told me, who's God? You mean God spoke to you? Which God was it? I mean, I mean think about it. We don't have any mention of Abraham before now and his encounter with God. So God speaks to Abraham, and Abraham believes God. Boy, that's worship. And Abraham obeys God, and he heads for a country. He doesn't even know where he's going to end up. He just knows that he is to follow the leadership of the living God. And then we get in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram, to your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. And again in verse 8. And he moved there from the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched a tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord. Called on the name of the Lord. By the way that's called Israel now. That's where he went. This was the land God gave him. But you see. Right away. You know what Abraham did? He just started worshiping God. He heard God's voice. He believed God. He obeyed God, and the first place he stopped, he built an altar and just worshiped God. And the second place he stopped, he built an altar to worship God. Hey, he passed the test. He was living a life of worship. He was believing God and obeying God. I cannot tell you how significant it is that every time God speaks to you and you obey him, you are an, you are an, an act of worship of the living God. What greater act of worship could you give to God than to obey? Then we go on a little bit further in Abraham's journey. In chapter 15, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and exceeding great reward. Boy, he's really beginning to understand God now. He said, don't, don't sweat it, don't sweat it. I know I'm asking you to go places and do things you don't understand, but I am your shield and exceeding great 
reward. Then in verse 4, he goes on and says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. Uh, uh, Ishmael was already in, living in Abraham's house, the son of, of, of uh, Hagar. And God had told him he was going to have a heir. He said, Now, it's not going to be Ishmael. He said, The one shall not be the, your heir who's in your house, but one will come to you from your own body. You and Sarah are going to have your own son. You see, Ishmael was born by the handmaiden, Hagar. And so God said he was going to bless the nations through a promise of Isaac. And so he told Abraham, said, you know, you've got to understand it's through Isaac that I'm going to bless the land. And go on to verse 5. Then he brought him outside. Now look what God does. He, he said, look toward heaven. Count the stars. Are you able to number them? He said, no. He said, your descendants will be like the stars of the sky. So shall your descendants be. You're not going to be able to number them. And he goes on in verse um, 6. He says, listen to this. He believed God. And God said, I'm going to give you righteousness. Abraham did not get his righteousness by good works. He got his righteousness by believing God. Man. And it, see, you go back, and we understand even from the very beginning that righteousness is a gift from God. That's the first mention. We see it in other places. But Abraham is just going from one act of worship to another. First act of worship, he got up his family and left. Secondly, God told him he was going to give him the land, and he was going to have a son of promise. He believed God. He worshiped God. Now you get over to Genesis 17. Now this is where it really gets interesting. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Boy, he's giving him an increasing revelation of himself. I'm almighty God. Just walk with me and, and don't disobey. Be blameless. Look at the next verse. I will make my covenant between me and you. Have you ever heard of the Abrahamic covenant? Have you ever wondered why God is called the God of Abraham? Why isn't he called the God of Moses? He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was the sons of promise. That's where Israel came from today. And by faith, we're descendants of Abraham. Oh, yeah. Everyone who believes God and trusts him to save him by faith, you're a descendant of Abraham. That's exactly what the Bible says. So in 17, it says in verse 2, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Look at the next verse. Then Abraham let, boy, listen to this. Then Abraham fell on his face <laughs> and God talked with him saying, boy, he'd just been obeying God and he worshiped God. He obeyed God. He was worshiping God. God spoke to him again. He worshiped God by believing and obeying. And we go on in verse 5. As, as for me, by, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. All right? No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. Go ahead. I will make you exceedingly fruitful 
and will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Man, you've got to understand, this is the man in chapter 12 that had no clue about really who God is and was. And then step by step, he obeyed God. He worshiped him. And God led him one step at a time, one step at a time. Abraham believed and obeyed, and that is worship. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and and their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. You know, and and really verse 8, I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, where Israel is now, all the land of Canaan, an everlasting possession, I will be their God. In the ninth verse, now will give, and, and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your de- descendants, after you throughout all generations. So, I'm giving you a definition of worship. It's believing, believing God, what God says. It's hearing God's voice through his word, whatever. It's believing God, and it's obeying him. And every time God speaks to you, and you believe him, and you obey him, you've just worshiped God. There's no higher act of worship than believing and obeying God. None. None whatsoever. What greater thing could you do than obey him? All right. Then we look over in chapter 18. And then they said to him, where's Sarah, your wife? He said, here in the tent. All right. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent, which was behind him. I think she was 99 at the time. And Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. All right. Then Sarah laughed within herself. Have I grown old? Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? He said, what is this? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, surely I will bear a child since I am old? Is any, and that's what he said. How many times did we use this? He, she said, Abraham, tell Sarah, we're going, a year from now she's going to have a son. He's going to be the son of promise. And uh, I know she's 99. I know how old she is. I know she's past childbearing. But look at that verse. Is anything too hard for God? Man, I like that, don't you? God's spoken to you about some things that need to happen in your life. Well, Lord, you don't know my circumstances. I don't believe you're 99. God, you don't know what I'm dealing with. God said, listen, you just let Sarah know nothing's too hard for me. And at the appointed time, I'll return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. You know who it was? It was Isaac. Isaac. And see, he's the God of Abraham. That's who he made a covenant with. The God of Isaac, that's who he made a covenant with. And he's the God of Jacob. All right? Now, I want to show you a great passage. In Romans chapter 8, here's a tremendous testimony to Abraham. Folks, now listen. Abraham didn't have a Bible. I mean, God had just destroyed the world of Noah's day. And all of a sudden, God comes now. This is the people I've chosen through whom to bless the world and through whom the Messiah will come. 
So he comes to Abraham. And Abraham just does what he says, builds an altar, does what he says, builds an altar, does what he says. He's just worshiping God all the time, just worship him all along the way. And God says, I'm, I'm just going to bless you. All right, now look, you know Abraham's struggle. Uh, look at what it says in Romans 4, 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise may be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are in the law, are, are you ready, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Did you know as a Christian, you're walking in the same faith as Abraham? Oh, yes. Also, to those who are of the faith of Abraham, are you ready for this? Who's the father of us all? We are partakers of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, we have a new covenant in Christ. But I'm telling you, Abraham is the father of the faith. Those who believe God. It says, and, and it, it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed, God gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. Now I want to show you how Abraham worshiped God. Look what it says. Who contrary to hope, 100, and 100 Abraham, 99 Sarah, they didn't have a whole lot of hope about having a child. Only thing God told them they would, and they said, you know, is anything too hard for me? Who contrary to hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. According to what it was said, your descendants will be. Look at what it says. Now this is where we got up. This is where you're really getting into worship. And not being weak in faith. He did not consider that he was a hundred. He did not consider his body already dead. Since he was about 100 years old, he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not look at his circumstances. Now listen to this. Boy, this, boy, you're really getting into worship when you get here. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. It would have been easy to look at Sarah. It ain't going to happen. 99's too old. They won't even let you in the nursery. I'm telling you, you're not going to get in there. And we have not even built a baby crib yet. He did not waver to the promises of God through unbelief. But look this. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I want to ask you, what's impossible in your life right now? What's impossible in your life? The devil's told you it, it ain't going to happen. And it's impossible in your life. You just have an opportunity to worship God. Because you can believe God in the face of the impossible. And that's where faith is. If you could figure it out and do it, you wouldn't need faith. And he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Being fully convinced. Boy, this is what God's speaking to me right now. That what he had promised he was able to do. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe what God has promised you he is able to do? You see, that's worship. God deliver us from an evil heart of unbelief. He was fully convinced at 100 and his wife 99. God says, is anything too hard for me? He was fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to do. Now, so we see that uh, true worship involves hearing God and obeying God. But now I want to come the, toward the last part right now. I want to tell you something. 
And this is where it gets tough, y'all. And I want to tell you right now, it is not a once and for all experience. Are you listening to me now? I want to talk to you about true worship. It's not a once and for all experience. It says here, in Genesis 22, 1, it came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham. All right, we get over to verse 11 and 12. And we see here what, what happened in Genesis 22, 11 and 12. The angel of the Lord called him saying, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to harm him. You know, and, and so Abraham didn't. And then in 22, 15 through 18, which I told you I read, uh, this angel spoke to him the second time and said, man, you've, you've passed the test. You've, you've worshiped God. You've done everything that God told you to do. And he called to him a second time out of heaven. All right, now here it is. True worship is when you totally surrender all that you are and all that you have to God. Without Isaac, no covenant. Without Isaac, we wouldn't be sitting here. Isaac was a child of promise, son of faith. And we are the descendants of Abraham. Abraham believed God and said, that's righteousness. We believe Jesus and God says, that's righteousness. But you see, he got down to the last thing Abraham had. And it was Isaac. And he called for Isaac. Now, I'm going to tell you when you have worshipped God. Now, this is tough. And it's a daily thing. I mean, this is, I'm telling you now, it's tough. True worship is when you offer to God all you are and all you have. You haven't really worshipped God until you offer to Him all you are. Yield yourself to God. You haven't really worshipped Him till you yield to Him all you are and all you have. And it may be that God has been asking you for a particular Isaac in your life. And you've been arguing with God about it. And said it's not possible. It's not reasonable. I don't think you would ask that of me. But God just won't let you alone. He keeps calling for Isaac. He keeps calling for Isaac. See you want to worship God. Believe him. And obey him. That's worship. And then totally surrender yourself to him and that includes every Isaac that you have now alright I'm going to close this with this and I want you to listen to it everything we do in a worship service in this church has one goal that you will hear God that you will believe God and that you will obey God all the songs we sing, all the sermons we preach are that you will believe God, you will hear from God, you'll believe God, and you'll obey God, and that as a result of the singing and the preaching and all that occurs in this place, that you will give yourself totally, you will yield yourself all that you are and all that you have to him. You know, if you come into this place and God speaks to you and you come to a place of new surrender and you offer to him all you are, 
Lord, I'm just giving myself to you. I'm giving it all up to you. No strings attached, Lord. I'm all to Jesus I surrender. All to Jesus I surrender. And by the way, Lord, if I give everything I am to you, then it means everything I have I give to you. I'm not holding back anything. I, I'm not going to keep Isaac over here. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Listen, that's a daily thing. Did you know that? You get up in the morning and you start following Jesus and God, God speaks to you from his word or speaks to you in, in, by his spirit and, and you know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to obey and you say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And you obey and God blesses you. Guess what you just did? You just worshiped God. You just worshiped him. You can't worship God unless you believe him. You can't worship God unless you obey him. And I'll tell you, it's a challenge every day. You know, you know the problem you have? Isaac was a good thing. He, he was a wonderful thing. He, he was the son of promise, but God asked him for a good thing. Now listen to me. It's not going to be the bad things that you struggle with when God calls for it. You'll know it's a sin. You say, that's got to go, Lord. But then there are things that aren't necessarily bad. And God says, uh, I'll take that Isaac. You take him up on the mountain and you offer him as a sacrifice. Lord, that's not part of the deal. That's not part of the deal. I offered myself to you completely. I'm here. I surrender to you. But now you're calling for Isaac. Uh-uh. That's, out, that's off limits to you. Guess what? You're not going to worship God. You're not going to worship him. Because if he's not Lord of all, then really he's not Lord at all. And so worship is when you offer all that you are and all that you have, including Isaac, and it may be a different Isaac every day, you offer it up to God. And then you're just living a life of worship. And so when we come here on Sunday, our goal is not to just impress you with the music and for you to hear a good sermon. Oh my God, please hear me. Hear me. We fail. Nothing, everything fails. Unless what happens in this place brings you to the place of you surrender yourself totally to God. And you offer to God everything you are. If that doesn't happen, we fail. It's not about being here on Sunday morning. It's about what happens between you and God, Abraham and God, you and God in this place. And you just come to the place, Lord, I surrender. All that I am and all that I have is yours. You say, Brother Fred, that's unrealistic. No, it's real, but it's hard because we struggle. Oh, I struggle with Isaacs. If I tell you some of the good things I'd love to do, you'd say, my goodness, Brother Fred. But I ain't doing them. Got God's will. That's a little, that's a little teeny Isaac. I'm going to ask you something. Will you worship God this morning? Will you worship him? Offer up to him all you are and all you have. And you will leave here saying, you know, I worship God this morning at Luke 4.18.